Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Mims the Word. My name's Chris Dyer and I'm joined this week again by our Managing Director, Rowan Williams. Hi everyone. So Rowan, MIM News this week, what's going on? So yeah, I think we've been branching out into some new projects, predominantly in the IT space. It is a really exciting space to be in, um, especially at the moment with technology moving at the pace that it is. But not only that, I think it's the fact that um, as much as we all don't like to hear it, um, the the economy is in a tough place at the moment, um, and you know IT is a is a very safe place to be uh, as a business when you're focusing on um, on customers. So you know we're really excited to be focusing more and more on the IT space. Um, we're upskilling ourselves. Uh, we've got a solid understanding of, of the tech space now, um, and yeah, so it's been it's been super exciting from our point of view. Great. So going on to what's trending this week, um, it's mainly been all about Wimbledon, hasn't it? I am enthralled with Wimbledon. So I've already seen two fantastic matches. Um, you know, we've got a really strong British presence there this year, um, as it should be, right? Uh, this is Wimbledon. This is the home of tennis for, for us uh, Brits. Um, but in particular, it was good to see Serena back on the court. Um, she's she's had some time off um, with, with her children. Um, and it's just a, a great example that she sets um, A for the sport, um, B for, for women and, and people in general with, with young children. Um, the fact that she can just get back on the court and play a three-hour match. Yes, she didn't win, but um, she absolutely played her heart out. Um, and I know, you know not everyone's the biggest fan of her, but as a person, you, you absolutely can't doubt the, um, the eagerness and... Um, uh, the passion that she has for the game so that was fantastic also another legend uh we saw this week andy murray back on the court um again didn't win but played his heart out uh, he'll always be a legend in the sport um especially at wimbledon so you know i'm i was just keen i was watching it last night and i was just keen to get out on the court myself and and you know try and hit a few hundred mile an hour um serves the, the person that Andy Murray was playing against, John Isner, serving at a huge 136 miles an hour, um, which is, you know, easily 230 kilometers an hour um, for you metric people out there. So, um, you know, huge, uh, hugely excited. I think from a marketing perspective, the one thing that is interesting about Wimbledon this year, Robinsons haven't renewed their um, sponsorship of the event. Um, they've sponsored it pretty much since the beginning um, and, and this year is the first year that they've not sponsored it so um, really piece a uh, good piece of marketing analysis there you know were they seeing the return on investment for for that sponsorship is there another reason why they haven't renewed their sponsorship um, I'm personally sad sad to see that they haven't renewed their sponsorship this year um, but uh, just a, an interesting point from a marketing point of view when I was watching it um, the fact that we didn't see the Robinson Robinson's high squash underneath the umpire's chair as you always do so uh, yeah that's Wimbledon great well yeah one, one thing that we wanted to talk about today was very sort of close to the core of MIM which is spinning up a marketing function right yeah and I think this is in the the way that a lot of businesses are operating these days you often find especially in startups and scale-ups and small businesses is that 
I don't know whether it's a reticence or haven't got the freely available cash, but essentially we're starting to, as businesses and small businesses, outsource a lot of those what we call core functions of a business. So whether it's finance, whether it's HR um, and those types of things, marketing is now starting to fall into that category for small businesses where instead of investing £40,000 in a marketing executive, they might be able to go with an agency that can provide them with um, someone who's had you know 10 years plus experience, uh, a content writer, graphic designer, um, all that great stuff, albeit on a part-time basis, right? Because um, you can't obviously afford an agency at that level, but for £40,000 a year, instead of having one marketing executive with one set of skills, you could have, you know, if we look at the four core pillars, we're talking content, we're talking brand, strategy, and then that more technical side. So whether it's uh, CRM management and lead management or PPC, SEO um, and coding, that's all starting to fall under the umbrella of marketing now. And with budgets being stretched and the economy the way that it is and small businesses not necessarily having that cash flow, there is more and more analysis being taken place in terms of should we hire one marketing executive or should we go with an agency um, that can be able to provide all of that um, and all of what we need um, uh, and have more experience for the same cost. So, you know, when you are spinning up a, a marketing team, ideally you, you would like someone that has content experience, brand experience, you know, knows the strategy and has experience of doing similar roles but then is also able to do some of the more technical things you know whether it's lead management um, in your CRM and automation or um, you know HTML coding SEO PPC campaigns those kinds of things I think it's very rare that you will find someone that has all of those skills uh, at a high level and that's why I think it's really attractive for businesses to start working with you know what we call full service agencies where they're able to get, you know, bite-sized chunks, which is really what they need. They don't need full-time, you know, they don't need a full-time digital marketer, for example. They might not need a full-time graphic designer. So that's why that full-service marketing agency model is starting to come um, to fruition. I mean, Chris, how does that resonate with you, right? You're on the front line with customers, as am I. You know, from your perspective, from a content production perspective, I mean, would you agree? Uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, as you say, from my perspective, it's, you know, customers only need me for maybe like one day a week. It, it depends how much they're asking me to do and, you know, essentially how long it takes me. But it'll it'll be done, you know, on that day, potentially the day after. And then that's it. They may not need anything else from, from us for the rest of the week. So it's, you know, it's good to have that sort of flexibility yeah, no, I, I totally understand, right? So, from an account management point of view, when I work closely with you on some of these some of these accounts, you know, I'll brief you and we'll sit down and we'll we'll produce the piece of content together. You can go away and edit all of that, but then you might we might not get another request like that for you know a week, um, and so I don't think it would make sense from an efficiency point of view to hire in a content production person. It, it would just be too expensive for. For the return that that particular client would get right mm, absolutely i mean a lot of companies that that we've worked with and, and are currently working with previously did have 
marketing people full time as as employees within their business, and they quickly felt that that was not the right decision for them. Um, uh, and I think that leads on really nicely to our next point, which is, you know, a growth mindset. So it's all about failure is seen as a really good thing. We've all made mistakes in the past. We've whether it's growing a business or personally, but this idea of the growth mindset really talks about how you should, you know, fa- you should see failure as a good thing. Failure means that it's a learning opportunity. So everything, you know, whether it's sports, you know, you might have played a, a bad game of tennis, which I regularly do, um, or you know, you might not have hit a, a goal, you know, in the gym or a particular weight or a number of sets, but actually you should see that as a learning opportunity to say okay let's have a look back at that see why that didn't work and let's see if we can do better next time and learn from it and i think that's what the growth mindset is all about um, and that that's why we thought it's really important for for every business leader or um, for any marketer in general to have that kind of growth mindset and it is something that's becoming more and more apparent um, throughout business now that growth mindset Great. Well, I think that's uh, everything we wanted to discuss, essentially. Um, Tip of the week this week uh, is all about automation uh, and the concept that time is money. Um, Do you want to talk more on that, Ryan? Yeah. So this one for me is is great. So as an agency, we try and automate as much as possible, right? And when we say automate, it's not a case of you know, get a computer to write content for us necessarily or get a computer to do the work and we just sit back and watch it. That's absolutely not what the the point of automation is from a marketing perspective. But it is to aid marketers to do their job more effectively and more efficiently so that we can pass those cost savings on to customers. And likewise for you in your business, if there is something that you can automate, you should automate it as long as it doesn't affect the, the client outcome. So still delivering that value, but find ways to automate things. So, you know, um, Zapier has really changed the game um, in terms of a tool where you can connect several products, predominantly SaaS products together so that they can talk to each other and automate processes like data transfer, um, uh, lead management, um, communications, where that stuff becomes automated, right? So for example, in HubSpot, um, we automate workflows so that when a client fills out a form on a website, they automatically get an email and they automatically get put onto a, a marketing list that then they'll receive the newsletter at the end of the month. So it's those kinds of things where you know you would have to take data and then manually put it into a database and then you know it becomes very time consuming and, and also it's you know not necessarily lawful. Um, from a GDPR perspective. So it's really think about what's causing you the most pain in your business and on a day-to-day basis. And then explore, you know, there are tons of SaaS products out there. Explore some of those products to see if there's a way that whatever's causing you the most pain time-wise, because time is money, how can you automate that? And really have a good look. Yeah, I think it's 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 mostly about like just maximizing your output. It's not, you know, cheating per se. It's not it's not automating, yeah, the content that you create. It's just maximizing. I think it just it adds to it. Absolutely. 
And like I said, right, the, the one key thing is that it shouldn't affect the client outcome. If it affects the client outcome positively, great, that's fantastic, right? If it, if it affects the client outcome negatively, then there's a case for saying, well, actually, is this automation really the right thing to do? It, again, it depends on how you market your business and how you position your business. If you're you know, a high-end product where customers expect everything to be 100% correct all of the time and they're paying a premium for that, then obviously you've got to make sure that that client outcome is 100% correct every single time. And, and if you're automating a process where there is some risk where that client outcome could be affected negatively, then that, that causes an issue. Great. So I think uh, that can bring us on finally to our tool of the week. Uh, this week we've chosen Canva, uh, which we use pretty frequently. I mean, I know I do. Yeah, we, we do use Canva um, for some of our more basic uh, graphic design stuff, but um, we tend to use Adobe Suite for, for anything that um, is a little bit more complex. And I think Canva's one of those products. Again, it's a SaaS product. Um, it's very cheap monthly cost. I think it's about Ten ninety nine a month. We don't get paid to promote them, just by the way. So, um, you know, Canva is a great product and it's really changed the game, both positively and negatively. So the positives of Canva is that it's putting design in the hands of people that are not designers, right? So if you wanted to create a social post, and we've done this with customers where we have training sessions with them to show them how Canva works, Um, to show them and set up their brand kits so that they can create their own social posts on a regular basis. And that's fantastic, right? It's giving power back to the people, right? At a very, very low cost. And as a platform, it's pretty good. We we have documents that, uh, and social post um, documents that have well over 100 slides in. Um, It does video, it does audio. Uh, You can buy the licensing if you get the premium account. Um, so, you know, from a licensing perspective, it's fantastic and there are image image databases that you can use and that's great. On the flip side, Canva actually has broken the graphic design industry a little bit just from a perspective of, okay, it's great that you're putting power back into the hands of ordinary people and that they don't have to spend, you know, time and money on graphic designers. But at the same time, is that affecting the quality of the work that's that's coming out of it so i think you just have to keep that in mind again going back to the positioning of your business if you're a high-end um you know luxury product or high-end service do you really want your marketing and sales team to be going into canva and creating less than perfect designs in the tool from my perspective you know it might be a case of well if if that person is a graphic designer and they want to use Canva, great. Um, is it as good as Adobe? No. Um, can it do everything that Adobe does to the quality and to the extent? No. Um, but will you save yourself a bucket load of money? Yes. Um, uh, and so, you know, for things like very simple social posts, absolutely use Canva. If you're creating a, a white paper, Um, or something that's going to be printed, or something a little bit more complex that needs to be graphically designed, Canva's probably going to be limited slightly there. Also with a video perspective, right, Chris, from your side, you use Adobe Premiere Pro, and um, how does that compare to Canva? Well, I mean, yeah, Canva itself, as as you've been saying, has got its limitations. Um, I think especially with the video side of things, it's there's only, you know, a few sort of, 
elements you can add to a video. You know, you can put it in there and chop it up, and it's fine for organising a, a video piece. But in terms of uh, you know adding value to it, it doesn't really have. I mean, yeah. Again, with the with the video database, you know, it's got a lot of templates in there. It's got a lot of things you can use. Um, but I think for yeah, if we if we're talking specifically about video work, I'd say it's great for ideas. Uh, but then ultimately, I think if you've got your own footage, you've got your own B-roll, things like that, it's best to bring it into um, something slightly more advanced like Adobe Premiere Pro or um, you know Final Cut Pro if that's your bag. Yeah, it's good for mocking up ideas, but it doesn't give you the like complete creative freedom because you are limited to what the software is capable of. And it's one of those things where you get what you pay for. Absolutely. But I mean, we, we do recommend it, right? 100%, um, yes. But just not for complex um, graphics and complex video and audio editing. Yeah. I'm certainly not trying to slate it because I use it every day and it is good for what I use it for. <laughs> Fantastic. Great, so I think that pretty much wraps us up for this week's episode of Mims the Word. As always, if you have any questions for us or anything you'd like us to add into next week's episode, uh, please do send us an email or hit us up on the social network platforms. Uh, Rowan, thanks again for joining me. My pleasure. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.